0: Well, good morning to each of you that have chosen to join us uh, again for worship. I'm so thankful that you are with us on this uh, special day. Uh, If you have your Bibles ready, and as I always say, I pray that you do, I want to ask you this morning to turn with me back in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and while you're turning, uh, let me just begin by saying Happy Mother's Day to all of our moms and grandmas and even our great-grandmas that might be joining us this morning to worship the Lord and certainly aside from this being the Lord's day uh, it's a day that we set aside each and every year and I wish we were here all together right uh, it's a day that we set aside to honor our moms and and so I hope and pray that you're doing that today that you've taken some time already or that you've got something planned special as you're there with one another to uh, to love on moms uh, today and You know, even though many have tried down through the years to diminish or downplay the significance of motherhood, it still stands. I really believe this. It still stands as one of the greatest honors and responsibilities that anyone could ever have. And so if your mom is still living today, I want to encourage you take the time, right? Uh, if if they're living with you or they're living somewhere close and, and you can see your mother do that, if not, pick up the phone and call your mom today and tell her how thankful you are for her and that you love her. Uh, certainly, uh, again, happy Mother's Day to all our moms. Uh, last week, I was reading a, a story of how one afternoon, a man made his way home from work and As he drove up uh, to the house, he noticed that his three kids were out in the yard and they were playing. It had been raining. They were playing in the mud and he noticed that the yard was covered with uh, candy wrappers and boxes were thrown everywhere and the kids were just uh, running aimlessly about and the front door was wide open, uh, wide open. The door uh, to his wife's car was open and so this man became a little bit concerned, what is going on here? As he walked into the house, things were no better. Uh, Toys were thrown all over the living room floor. Uh, Things were knocked over. The TV was on, blaring some cartoon. The kids were out in the yard, right? There was a pile of sugar in the lazy boy. And as he looked down at his dog, the dog was running around in circles like foaming at the mouth. This man goes into the kitchen. He notices that the kitchen is in disarray as well. There's Kool-Aid on the floor, which is not unusual with a house of kids. Kool-Aid on the floor. The refrigerator door is wide open. Dishes are piled up in the sink, and he's thinking, what is going on? And so he starts calling out for his wife, honey, where are you? He makes his way upstairs, and he notices that the kids' pajamas are thrown on the steps. And so he's stepping over clothes, and he's making his way upstairs. And finally, he gets to his bedroom, calling out his wife. And he opens up the door, and lo and behold, there's his wife she's curled up, laying in bed with her book, still in her pajamas. And immediately she smiles and she says, hi, honey, how was your day? And he responds to her, he says, my day? What in the world has happened here today? And she says, well, you know how every day you come home from work and you say, uh, what in the world did you do here today? She said, well, today I decided not to do it. (laughs) And so uh, I know that moms do a lot more than just sit around reading books, but I thought that was funny, and I pray that and hope that you did too. Uh, You know, it was that great theologian named Dorothy, and uh, Dorothy was from that highly acclaimed sitcom and hallmark of wisdom called The Golden Girls. And here's what she had to say about motherhood. She said, it's not easy being a mother. If it were easy, fathers would do it. And she was right. Motherhood's no joke. I think about, on a more serious note, Abraham Lincoln. He acknowledged his mother's influence in his life, and and he said these words. He said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am or ever hope to be, he said, I owe to my angel mother. The prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, He once declared these words, he said, I cannot begin to tell how much I owe the solemn word of my good mother. All the books of the world could not contain her godly influence upon me. And biblically, we know from 2 Timothy in chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible reminds us of the godly influence of, of Timothy's mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And so we see the importance of godly mothers, right? The the importance cannot be underestimated. And so uh, I want you to know that I have been doubly blessed in this regard. And so, Mom, I want to wish you today Happy Mother's Day. And uh, thank you. Thank you for setting a godly uh, uh, example for me all of these years. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at a story uh, that is rarely looked at. And, and we know that Jesus declared that nothing, absolutely nothing, right, would prevail against the church. But honestly, with that being said, I, I actually probably think that there's nothing more important, right, to the, to the overall future of the church and really, honestly, to the future of this country in which we live uh, than godly parents, right? That you and I, who have been gifted with children, God has blessed us with children, that we would seek to live as godly parents. And so to that end, uh, I thought I would take a break from our Dealing with the Devil series, Uh, although I had uh, someone, I'll not tell you who said it, said that uh, Mother's Day would probably be the best day to talk about dealing with the devil. I don't know what they were trying to say, but uh, we're going to talk about something else today. And uh, I want us to consider a model of motherhood, right, that is rarely talked about. And so as we get into our text, look over in Exodus chapter 2, but as we get into our text, I think it's important for us to remember that by the time we get there, uh, we, we look back in Exodus chapter 1, that we understand that the children of Israel had been in Egypt for quite some time now. And if you just glance over to verse number 7, the Bible says that uh, uh, the children of Israel, they were fruitful and that they increased abundantly and multiplied. And then verse number 8 and 9 tells us that a new king or this new pharaoh, he doesn't know Joseph, he doesn't know the history, right? And so he's afraid that the Jewish people are becoming too strong. They're becoming too powerful. And so while he still has the ability, the Bible says that he enslaves them. And if we were to read on, look down in verse number 12, and he decides he's going to make things hard on the children of Israel. But when you get to verse number 12, the Bible says that the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. So in essence, the harder he tries to make things on them, the more they multiply. He says, I'm going to make it hard. They keep on multiplying. And so in the end, this new pharaoh, he comes up with a plan in chapter 1. It's a cruel, it's an evil plan. And his desire is that they would kill, the midwives would kill every male child that is born to a Hebrew woman. And that the way they would do it is they would take the baby and they would throw the baby as if it were a piece of trash into the Nile River. And so with this background being set, let's look at our text in Exodus chapter 2 and see what happens. Beginning in verse number 1, notice what the Bible says. And the Bible says, And there went out a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child... She hid him three months, and when she could not no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And verse number 10, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for the day that you have made Certainly we are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Lord, thank you for giving us this day that we might not only worship you, but God, that we might set aside this day to honor uh, our moms, our grandmothers, and our great-grandmothers. And God, all those who have um, loved on children and really mothered children through the years. Lord, I pray that today that uh, this simple message would encourage not only our mothers, but our fathers and the entire family, quite honestly, God, that we might see this this model of motherhood uh, that is so important for us today. Uh, And certainly, uh, Lord, uh, that we might endeavor uh, to be parents that bring you honor and bring you glory. God, I pray that you'll be with my thoughts and my words and my actions, and I pray that they will bring you the most honor and the most glory. And God, I pray this in the precious name of my Lord and my Savior, and for His sake. Amen and amen. Well, let's notice right away, get back into our text, look there in in, uh, verse number two, and I think we're going to notice very quickly that this this woman is a woman of love and faith. She's a woman of love and faith because verse number two uh, talks about the fact that after she conceived and and she sees the child, the Bible says that this mother, she's not even named, by the way. We don't even know this woman's name, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but she hides her child for three months. And while we know from Psalm 127 in verse number three that children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward, we also know that there was a decree that had gone out from Pharaoh, right? That every male child who was born to a Hebrew woman that they should be thrown uh, into the Nile River and drowned. And so I just want to stop right here. Look at verse number two. She hides him for three months. And so I just want to stop and say, wow, this mom is good. This mom is good because uh, the last time I checked, uh, babies typically have the ability uh, to make a lot of noise and do a lot of other things, right? They have the ability to make a lot of noise. And so the fact that with with people, uh, uh, soldiers walking around, right, trying to uh, uphold Pharaoh's new decree. I can't imagine how stressful that time must have been, not only to hide the fact that she was pregnant, but also to hide the fact that after the baby was born, she's hiding this child for three months. And Hebrews chapter 11, and I know this, um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 23 tells us that this boy was hid three months of his parents. And so obviously dad's in agreement. Dad's in agreement with this plan because Hebrews says that he was hid of his parents. But verse 2 of Exodus chapter 2 makes it abundantly clear that it's mom who's the one doing all the work. Surprise, surprise, right? For those of us who are married, those of us who know, it's no surprise to me. And so by faith, what we see is we see this woman relying on a power much greater, much greater than any danger or any fear that she might have been feeling. And after all is said and all is done, this mother's love and faith not only saves her son's life, but her action. Remember I said uh, earlier this week in my devotion, her action, her action of faith. Faith is not passive, it's active. And so her action sets her son on a course that ultimately is used by God, not only to save his own life, but to save millions and to lead millions out of bondage from Egypt. And we know that Hebrews 11 and verse 1 says, Now uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Although she could not see it all, this woman believed by faith that God would protect her baby boy and that he would protect the family. This woman loves her son, but it's incredibly important for us to see as parents and as moms today. This woman not only loved her son, she loved God. And she trusted God. She was a woman of love and a woman of faith. But I also see that when things begin to get a little risky, I mean, Moses' lungs are developing, and I'm guessing he's putting out more and more noise, right? When things become a a little bit too risky, this woman continues to trust God. She's not only a woman of love and faith, but she continues to trust God by becoming a woman of ingenuity. She's a woman of ingenuity. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says, and when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And so here in verse number three, look at the text. Knowing that it's foolish to hide the baby any longer, this mother takes the initiative and exercises some good old-fashioned ingenuity and makes a miniature ark to place her boy in the Nile River. And I thought I was using some uh, ingenuity to make a, a an Awana Grand Prix car. This woman makes a miniature ark. And oddly enough, what's kind of ironic to me is that she makes this miniature ark and she ends up putting the child there. In, and as we'll see, she places the child in the exact river where Pharaoh said that every child, every male child born to a Hebrew woman should be thrown. Now, albeit uh, she puts him in, in a miniature cruise ship, so to speak. She doesn't throw him in there or drown him. But it's certainly important for us to see that this mother, she is a woman that exercised her love and her faith, and she's a woman of ingenuity. And and the thing that I see is that she obviously knew the story of how God saved Noah and his family. I'm thinking she knew that story, how that God put Noah and his family in an ark, and he saved his family. She does the exact same thing with her child. Listen, yes, she's a woman of ingenuity, but she's a woman of faith and trust. She builds this miniature ark. She places her son in it. And every step of the way, right? It. Listen, every step of the way, she has to trust God. And so we see that this trust is weaved through the entire story. I tell people all the time, let's do what you and I can do, and then let's trust God to do what only He can do. And that's exactly what this woman does. And honestly, that can be the hardest part at at some times in our life, right? To trust God to do what He can only do. The reality of life is that things are just going to come my way and they're going to come your way and we're not going to understand it all. And there are going to be some times that are, you already know that are going to be completely out of our control. That's why we have to be men and women who not only love God, that not only love our children, but that we are men and women who trust God. We're men and women who do whatever is necessary, right? To walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, I think it's important that we do our very best. But I also think it's important that we need to remember that our best is nothing compared to God's best. And so none of us have contingency plans for everything that comes down the pipe. And so uh, we must learn to trust God's plan, right? Sometimes we're on a mountain, sometimes we're not on the mountaintop. We just have to trust God's plan. By the way, no matter, there's gonna be times as parents that we're anxious. There's gonna be times, I put here, times where we're afraid. We just have to trust God. In fact, 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse number 7 reminds us all that we need to cast our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. Proverbs 3. In verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Situations like what this mother is faced with bring us to our knees, which is where we really need to be anyway, right? Situations that feel like, out of control and beyond our ability those situations always bring us to our knees and that's where we need to be because when we're on our knees we realize that we're no longer in control and so mom and dad i want to encourage you fall more in love with god love him and trust him and sometimes you you might have to take the initiative you might have to become a, a mother or a father of ingenuity But I know the Bible tells us this in Psalm 56, in verse number three, the psalmist said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. No matter what we're facing, right? That's what this mother did first. No matter what what you and I come into contact with, we have to learn to place our trust and our confidence in God, not in what we think or what other men say, right? Psalm 118, in verse number eight, the Bible says, it is better to trust the Lord than to put our confidence in man. I said earlier this week, if you watched my devotion uh, from Hebrews chapter 11 on Moses, I said that pastor and teacher Warren Weersby he once said these words, he said, when we trust God, we get what God can do. When we trust ourselves, we get what weak people can do. Oh yes, much like the psalmist said in Psalm 121 and verse number two, this mother understood that her help Her help came from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Oh, yes, she was able to become a woman of great ingenuity only because she was a woman of great love and a woman of great faith. And after using all of her creative skills to build this floatable ark, so to speak, Scripture reveals that this woman, she's also a woman of strategy. She's also a woman of strategy. She she has a plan and she puts her plan into into place. Think about it. She builds a boat for him. She waterproofs it with slime and pitch and she places her child in it. But notice, she doesn't just simply thrust her child out into the middle of the raging Nile River. Notice what verse number three concludes by saying. It says that she laid it, talking about this ark of bulrushes, she laid it in the flags or reeds, if you please, by the river's brink. So in other words, she strategically places her child in a place where he would surely be found. And so I'm guessing she had most likely scouted out the best place. She probably knew that this is exactly where Pharaoh's daughter went on uh, occasion to bathe. And so she, by the way, Scripture also tells us she leaves her older daughter to see what happens to the child. So she's a, she's a woman of planning. She's a woman of strategy. See, she knew that if her son was going to live, she needed someone to find her boy that had the power and the influence, right, with Pharaoh to make sure that that happened. And in this mother's mind, as far as I can see, the only person that she felt was qualified and able to influence and have enough power in Pharaoh's heart to do this would have been Pharaoh's daughter. Notice what the Bible says. Look back at verses 4 through 6. The Bible says, and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Notice verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark, not her maidens, but the Pharaoh's daughter, when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him. Now think about it. As soon as Pharaoh's daughter opens up the basket, the baby starts crying. Man, I don't know about you. That's an amazing thing. Have you ever noticed that how a baby cries? A mother's heart of compassion is immediately drawn together. And so she opens up the basket. The baby cries. She knows this is a a Hebrew child. But immediately the Bible says, notice there again in verse 6, that she had compassion on him. Oh, this is an incredible story of love and faith, a story of ingenuity and strategy. This mother trusted God and she did everything she could to provide for the boy's survival. And by the way, I think it's important that we notice also and, and that we would thank God also for the compassion and love of this boy's eventual Egyptian mother. She didn't have to love him. She could have tossed him out in the Nile as soon as she saw him, right? She knows he's a Hebrew, and, she, and and yet still she has compassion on him. She loves the child. It was her father who said, hey, kill all the babies. But if you notice verse 7 and 8, she's a woman of strategy as well. She not only chooses to, to uh, let the boy live, but in verses 7 and 8, she says, go and call a nurse of the Hebrew women. So she has her own strategy. And ironically, verse number 9 says that because of her new love for this child, she actually tells the baby's mother that she'll actually pay her to nurse the child. How incredible is that? That God uh, provides uh, through this entire story that now Pharaoh's daughter is actually going to pay this child's mother to actually do what she was going to do anyway. In verse number 10, the Bible says that the child grew and he's brought back and delivered to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. Notice it says that he became her son. And then, and then, so everything that I see here is like his birth mother. She does everything that she can for this child as well. If we were to look over in Acts chapter 7, we see that this woman also wanted Moses to have all the advantages of the Egyptian culture and wealth. Everything that she could supply, she wanted him to have. In fact, in Acts chapter 7, the Bible says this in verse 21 and 22. It says, And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds, which is kind of ironic as well. And so even though Pharaoh's daughter succeeded in building him into the man that she was hoping that he would one day be, we know that something is obviously still missing, right? Something is missing in his life as we'll see here in just a second. Oh yes, this boy's mother was a woman of love and faith and in ingenuity and a woman of strategy, but finally, after Pharaoh's daughter says, hey, nurse this child for me, I see that this woman was also a woman of efficiency. She's a woman of efficiency. Look at verse number 10. It says, and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and she became, and he became her son and she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. It's not until verse number 10 that we actually see that Pharaoh's daughter is actually the one who gives Moses his name, which literally means drawing out or rescued. Do you get it? She names the child Moses because she drew him out of the water and Moses is the one who God uses to draw out or to rescue his children out of Egypt. What an incredible God we serve. It's, it's amazing to me that sometimes people don't see God's hand moving through entirety of Scripture. Oh, the irony of God's plan and sovereignty. Clearly at work throughout this entire ordeal. Think about it. Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses, but God says, No, I actually want him to grow up in your house. How amazing is that? I think about it, the birth mother, Jochebed, right? We don't even learn her name until Exodus chapter six, right? And she actually ends up getting paid to nurse her own child. But what I want us to see here is at this moment, at this moment of scripture is that Jochebed was a woman who obviously managed her time well, right? She was efficient and the reality is, you and I have no clue. Now, we can look back in Jewish culture and Jewish history, but we have no clue how long she had with Moses. But look at verse number 11 in chapter 2, because verse number 11 tells us something really important. It says these words It says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, notice what happens that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew. Notice what he calls the Hebrew, one of his brethren. How amazing is this? Acts chapter 7 and verse 23 puts it this way by saying, and when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now, while the Bible never specifically tells us how or when Moses learned that he was Jewish, it does give us some pretty good clues. Think about it. After being taken up by Pharaoh's daughter at the age of three months old, Moses goes back to be nursed by his mother. And I believe that Moses' mother redeemed the time, right? She bought up the opportunities that she had. To, to share her faith in God with this child. Think about it. I believe she would have told her, uh, her son, right? She would have told him about Abraham, the faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and even the faith of Joseph. She would have shared those details with her son. She, she would have shared how God had protected her and her family. She would have shared, quite honestly, she may have shared how God had protected him through it all. We don't know all the incredible details, right, of Scripture, the mysteries of Scripture, but I do see that this woman obviously bought up the time that she had, and she was efficient with her time. She made good use of her time, and as parents, I want to encourage you, we too have to be efficient. We have to make use of the time that we have. In fact, at the age of 40, Scripture tells us how Moses sided with the people of God and. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So how does Moses, how does he know that he's a Hebrew? I believe it's his mama that tells him. I actually believe that it's his mama who tells him, hey, There's there's something different about you. Let me share my faith with you. Let me share these these stories with you so that you know where you came from. You know, the Bible tells us, so then faith in Romans 10 and verse 17, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, yeah, Pharaoh's plan was to kill Moses. But I'm so thankful that God had a bigger plan, right? He always has a plan that is bigger. It's much higher than your plans. It's much grander in scale than you and I could even think, right? He's the God who does exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Oh, my gracious, my friends. Jochebed had no way of knowing, really, what God was going to do. We don't know. We don't have any scriptural detail that tells us God tells her in advance Uh, like an angel told Mary what he was going to do. No, we don't have any details like that. But it's incredibly important for you and for me to see that this mother, she trusted God. She believed God had a plan for her son that was greater than just tossing him into the Nile River. Oh, as a mother, she proves to you and me and to all the world that no weapon, no scheme, no enemy can ever defeat the plans and the purposes of God. And moms, uh, honestly, dads as well. Moms, grandmas, great-grandmothers, it doesn't matter what your station in life is. Listen, we have no clue what tomorrow will bring. We have no clue. Right. And we have no idea how long we're going to have with our children, which is it's so incredibly important that we that we are efficient, that we buy up the opportunity that we have today. As I've quoted many times, that song from the 1970s. That simply says in one of the lines that time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Listen, we must redeem the time. We don't have a blank check on tomorrow. We're not guaranteed tomorrow with our children. We're not even guaranteed today. And so I want to encourage you. Listen, it's so incredibly important to see the story of this woman, right? This mom understood that she needed to use the time that she had wisely, and that's exactly what she did. Why? First and foremost, because you know, we see her, we see the fact that she's a woman of ingenuity, a woman of strategy and planning. We see all of these things. We see that she's efficient with her time, but all of those things were predicated on the fact that she was first a woman of love and a woman of faith. She not only loved her child, but she loved God. She trusted God. And so, because of her love and her faith, it enabled her to do all these other things. And so, I want to encourage you today make a decision and do the same thing in the life of your children, moms. Oh yes, it's so incredibly important. If you're watching and you're a mother here today and you've never trusted Christ, do the first thing today. Trust God. Trust in God's plan for your life. Oh yes, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, you can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. If you're a mom, if you're a grandmother, if you're a great-grandmother, if you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a father, you're a son, you're a daughter, it makes no difference who you are. If you have never become a Christian, I encourage you to do that today. And it's as simple as praying a simple prayer and asking God to forgive you and to come into your life and to save you. Oh, listen, I want to encourage you to do that. If you're a mom and you're already a Christian, I, want to, I beg you, buy up the opportunities that you have today to love and to nourish and to guide your children in a way that brings God and in a way that brings God honor and glory, right? Do that, do that. And I know that you'll be blessed. I've enjoyed so much, you know, meeting with you today. I I want to encourage you all have a wonderful mother's day, but let's do this. Let's close our time in prayer and, uh, Uh, Again, I I cannot say enough uh, thank yous uh, to you all for uh, joining us this morning in our worship service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to be together. And Lord, I just pray that you will just encourage moms and not only moms, but our dads and our grandmas and grandpas and great grandmas and great grandpas, even though today we celebrate Mother's Day. Lord, I, I know that, uh, uh, Every day is your day. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that's never trusted Christ, that they'll do that today. Lord, I pray that uh, you will encourage the mothers and the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers who are Christians to really to buy up the opportunities that they have to communicate your love to their children, to their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, that they would communicate their, their deep love and trust in you by sharing their faith with their children. God, we love you. We know that you are a good, good God. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for protecting us and providing for us, even in this time when we've been separated. God, I pray that you'll bring about healing in the lives of all of your children. God, that you'll restore the opportunity for us to meet together in your house, once again, face to face. God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all that you'll do. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your Mother's Day. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday as we will finish our series on dealing with the devil. God bless you.